Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. Happy hump day, everyone, on this August the 18th. 7.02 coming at you here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And we have a great show planned for you today, as always. Going to be a lot of discussion about U of A football, of course, as day 10 of Wildcat Camp wrapped up yesterday. We'll have some observations and reactions from uh, the sights and sounds of Wildcat Camp as uh, surprising uh, appearances from some certain players in certain roles. And we'll talk about the development of the quarterbacks, talk about the defensive side of the ball, and uh, special teams was also on uh, on point yesterday in, the, in front and center yesterday as well as uh, some of the, uh, the post-practice interviews revolved around some of the special teams players and coaches. We'll talk about that coming up throughout the show. Uh, it's going to take up a, you know, a large portion of the show because I, I – I still have a lot of thoughts on everything that's going on at Wildcat Camp and some of the things that are not emerging from Wildcat Camp. And again, we're still going to we're still going to preach patience here on the show. We're going to follow the coach's lead here on this particular uh, program. But um, you know, eventually they're going to name a starter, and that's when you know the real discussion begins. Okay, that's when you can start to decide once the you know once the once the two deep comes out. Okay. The, uh, the depth chart with the starters and the backups, or in college football now as they do this cockamamie, uh, the, the quarterback could be, you know, Gunnar Cruz or Will Plummer or Jordan McLeod on the, on the depth chart. I always hated <laughs> when Rich Rodriguez would do that, but it seemed to be a trend that was starting in college football because there are not the strict limitations that they have in the NFL on college football. You know, in the NFL, it's like, who are your starters? Who are your backups? You have to tell us exactly who they are. We don't know who's dressing. You know who's going to be your healthy scratches essentially for today, or who, you know who's who's not going to dress for you today. Your seven non-dressers. Okay, we don't know exactly the nature of each injury. It can't just be lower extremities. You know, pain. You have to know. You know, there's very detailed reports. The NFL makes sure that teams go through those, and as much as Bill Belichick hates those types of things, and I think a lot of the coaches do, obviously. Uh, you know, they try to skirt the, the situation. The NFL does a really good job of making sure that all of its teams are following the rules and being as detailed as possible in who's playing, who's not playing, why they're not playing such. College football, not so much. And understandably, you have 85 scholarship players. You have upwards of 25 other players on the sideline at any given time as well, in addition to those 85 scholies. So <laughs> a lot more difficult to be like, well, we got this guy, and then he's got five backups. So, um, yeah, and, you know, we'll talk about anything as far as injury-wise goes. I know um, Donovan Laie, he was, uh, of course, offensive lineman, uh, offensive tackle. He had been uh, sitting out previously for uh, an injury. He did get in some practice yesterday, so we'll talk about all that and a whole lot more. We've got some, uh, some interesting news to talk about as far as other things happening on the campus at Arizona, including a tribute to Lute Olson, which we will get into. Uh, the Arizona Wildcats got their first look. The basketball program got their first look at a, uh, a, uh, a recruit that came over from France. We will get into that. 
The NBA Summer League concluded last night with an absolute demolishing of the Celtics by the Sacramento Kings. Again, don't put much weight into this. It's just Summer League, but it is worth noting. Lewis King, a guy that we're very familiar with here in the Pac-12, in Pac-12 land, a guy who I watched a lot um, and scouted a lot, actually, when I was uh, covering uh, Wildcat basketball alongside Brian Jeffries when I was traveling with the team doing the uh, the color work for a few years. Lewis King was a guy that was playing for Oregon at the time, and he was a very good basketball player. He was a, he was a thorn in the side of the Wildcats. He was very good, um, and he was dominant in the final couple weeks, or, well, I shouldn't say the final couple weeks, the final week of the NBA Summer League this year for Sacramento. And interestingly enough, as, as glowingly as I spoke about Peyton Pritchard, of course, his teammate in Oregon, um, you know, playing for the Celtics in the Summer League and just how good he was and how he really didn't belong to be in the Summer League, deserved to be in the Summer League, really didn't belong there, but sophomores are going to play. Uh, Davion Mitchell, rookie, of course, BYU guard, known for his defensive intensity, absolutely shut down Peyton Pritchard last night. And uh, the Kings dominated on their way to a 167 championship victory over the Celtics in the NBA Summer League Championship last night. Still plenty of other things to get into. We'll probably talk about some fantasy football today. As, as many of you know, or many of you don't know, possibly, it's been a while since we've had this conversation. Um, I, I have not played fantasy football in 15 years. I, I mean, it's been at least that long. I just My view on fantasy football is this. I'm a fan of I'm, I'm a fan of one team. I am an unabashed 49ers fan. I have been my entire life. If you don't like it, tough. Okay, <laughs> we will talk some 49er football when it's relevant. I'm not just going to sit here and talk 49ers all day. That's ridiculous. We're going to talk relevance to the area and relevance to the league. Okay, um, so it, it, it's it, like in my mind, it's always silly to have this fantasy team in front of you with a with a roster of players that you've drafted that you're relying upon because you laid down 25 shekels on a on a league this year and you have two players on your fantasy team going against your favorite football team okay and you you know you want to win the money because uh, it's more than just the money right it's bragging rights that's what it's all about you buddies get together it's all about bragging rights there's so much trash talking in fantasy leagues it's hilarious it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I had a great time playing, uh, you know, when I did play. And I was very serious back in the day with, you know, with my playing. But I just got to the point where I was tired of rooting for players against my football team, like my actual favorite football team. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to, to cheer on Aaron Rodgers if he was my fantasy quarterback the day that the Packers were playing the 49ers. I just can't do it. I couldn't bring myself to be that person. So what do I do? Do I do I start my backup? You know, do I do I start the, the you know the guy who's getting his first career start who I had to pick up on a waiver wire because my other quarterback is hurt? You know, do I start him and just be like I, I'm going to give up those 30 points this week or whatever it was going to be, or do I just sit there and root for Aaron Rodgers while I'm watching the Niners? I can't do it. So that was like my biggest stumbling block is eventually these guys are going to come play against the four and you I mean I, again. You could you could formulate a draft where you pick all players who aren't going to play your favorite football team that season. But do we really want to go through that much trouble? So yeah, no, I, it's I just I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I it just it just goes against everything. When, when I watch when I watch football, see, I, I get it for a lot of people. I totally understand the allure to fantasy football. I I really do. I really I really get it because I was there. Uh, I, I was I was the same way. When I was younger, 
um, it gave me something else to, to root for in watching the games. I would watch games that I normally wouldn't be watching. I was watching, you know, the Carolina Panthers when they were, you know, second year of expansion playing the Kansas City Chiefs when the Kansas City Chiefs weren't very good. And I was interested in that game because I had a player on each team going for me, and I had I was looking to see how they were going to do. So I get it. it you know, it, it created some some excitement for me. But as I started, you know, covering sports more often and getting deeper and deeper into this job, as I've been covering sports professionally since 2001, actually, yeah, yeah, 2000, 2000, 2001. I always forget. I always lose track of time. It's been a while, okay, 20-plus years. You, you just you get to the point where you're watching football because it's your job. And the last thing that I want to do is do more of my job, <laughs> okay? I do a lot of my job already. I watch plenty of football. I break down film. I'm on the NFL, the the the, the, NFL, the uh, you know the website where you get the uh, you got to pay a subscription and everything. I, for whatever reason, the the name of the site escapes me right now. I you you can watch coaches' film of the games. So really important players, really important games. If there's schemes that I'm looking at, or just players that I'm just genuinely interested to see how they're playing, uh, you know, former Wildcats or, or what have you. I'll watch the you know the coaches the coaches tape of that. I pay a pretty good penny for uh, for that service. So you know I do a lot of watching football anyways, but I have different reasons for watching it. I I watch because a I love the game of football, and I look for different. I I, I watch for different reasons now, and playing fantasy football would just extend my job that more that much more. I would be looking at the waiver wire in our fantasy league and stuff like that so i tend to live in in for football purposes okay i tend to live outside of the fantasy realm now i have done fantasy basketball i've done fantasy nascar which is actually a lot of fun and i've done plenty of fantasy baseball and uh uh, recently i actually did a fantasy baseball league which was actually a lot of fun as a roto league and had a good time fantasy football for me is, is just different i'm so Let's just, let's just call it like it is. I'm so busy <laughs> during football season between college and pro, I just I don't have time for fantasy football. Even if I did, I probably still wouldn't play because of the aforementioned can't cheer for guys uh, against my own team. I just It just goes everything against I was brought up on. I, I'm loyal to a fault. You know, people, I, people ask me all the time because I'm, I'm an Arizona native, right? I was born in Tucson, grew up here in the, in the Valley, Went to high school here, okay. Every, you know, every, every, I did everything here. Uh, I've been here my entire life, and people ask me all the time, "Well, how come you're not a, you know, how come you're a Forty Nineers fan, not a Cardinal fan, and how come you're a Giants fan and not a Diamondbacks fan?" I say, "Well, because I've been here longer. I've been alive longer and watching sports and rooting for sports a lot longer than those teams have existed. And the Diamondbacks, of course, the expansion team. I, I was a." Going to Phoenix Giants games as a kid, the AAA club eventually became the Phoenix Firebirds. That tells you how old I am. I was going to Phoenix Giants games, which a lot of Tucson Toros games too. Wasn't an Astros fan, but you know, I grew up watching guys like you know Matt Williams come up through the farm system, and I got to see Jeffrey Leonard play in the Phoenix Giants uniform, and you know all you know all these guys that, that got to play and eventually become San Francisco Giants. So I just became a San Francisco Giants fan as well, and I've been a diehard fan since. I'm not just going to turn coat. I 
granted, when the Diamondbacks came, when it was announced the Diamondbacks were going to be a, a professional team, they're going to expand here, I said, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, please be, please put them in the American League. I, I, I would, it would be great if they were an American League team. I would like another local team to, to, to cheer for. Because the Coyotes had just gotten here. Okay, Coyotes had just gotten here. I, I, I hadn't been watching NHL for long. Before the Coyotes became a team, I guess I was considered myself a Boston Bruins fan. I just I, I liked Cam Neely and I, you know, the guys that I would see on on, uh, on ESPN and stuff. They're a pretty good team, so I was like, I'll be a Bruins fan. But I was only a Bruins fan for like two years, and the Coyotes came to town. I was like, sweet, I'm a Coyotes fan. It's perfect. And I was a Suns fan my entire life. Grew up, grew up a Suns fan. We always watched basketball in the house. It was always on the Suns. Walter Davis, Alvin Adams, the whole like of everything. Love those guys. Always been a, always been a Suns fan because they were here. I grew up on them. But as, as being someone who's loyal to a fault, I'm not just going to change my team. You know, I'd been a Giants fan for 15 years, maybe even longer, before the Diamondbacks were even thought of. So, yeah, I'm not just going to become. So when they got to the National League, I was like, okay, well, silver lining, I get to go to nine Giants games a year because they come to town and I'll be able to go to the games. So that's great. And then it's hard, you know, I, I watched the 49ers win two Super Bowls before the Cardinals even got here to Phoenix. So, I, I, you know, and I was like, screw the Cardinals. I don't care who they are. They're a transfer team anyways. They're not ours. It's run, they're on loan from St. Louis before they move somewhere else. Now, granted, they've stayed here. They moved across town, but they've stayed here. But, no, I don't change my alliances like that, allegiances uh, like that. So I kind of look at it the same way in fantasy football. Just can't do it. Can't root against my team. Not going to do it. But we will be bringing on some experts to talk some fantasy football here because – it's a huge, huge business. It is a huge business, and it has driven the NFL to even greater heights because not only has fantasy football become the you know, the chosen fantasy league above baseball, which is uh, – baseball is a ton of fun. Fantasy baseball is a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, fantasy NASCAR is, is strangely fun. I, I mean, I've been a NASCAR fan for a long, long time, and, and playing fantasy NASCAR is actually a lot of fun if you've never – engaged in it if you do have an interest in motorsports i'd recommend checking it out um but you know fantasy football obviously has elevated itself as has the game of football to elite status it's the number one choice for consumers out there and it has become a ridiculously huge business it is a massive massive business and plenty of companies and and the like have attached their wagon to that uh, that realm of of fandom and fan interaction and i think it's great look i do not begrudge people who play fantasy i mean there are some people i know that play in like eight fantasy leagues i don't i don't know how people have time for that like (laughs) like how do you have time for that i know a guy who drops a grand on a league every year thousand dollars just to play in the league and then there are like waiver wire transactions that cost real money you, you could be in this thing for like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars a season. I don't know. Some people are very serious about that. They take it very seriously. That's cool. That's your thing. I'm not gonna, not gonna denigrate that whatsoever. It's a huge business, so I acknowledge that. And we will be talking some fantasy football here. I'm just not an expert. I, I, I don't pretend to be a fantasy football expert. I have tried in the past. I'm like, all right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this thing. I'm gonna break it down. And then I, I got to like my first like the first layer of analyzing players. And I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, I don't know. 
you know, how important the PPR version of this player is and all this. I just, no, can't do it. I'm not an expert. So we will be talking fantasy football, and when we do, I will bring on someone who knows what the hell they're talking about <laughs> because I will not do that to you. I know I teased. I was like, oh, we'll talk about some fantasy sleepers and stuff. And sure, there are guys that I think are going to be sleeper players in the league this year, but then I thought about it like throughout the day and stuff, and I'm like, are these guys going to be fantasy sleepers? Like, I know a list of guys. I, I have a list of, of NFL players that I think will emerge from, you know, from not anonymity, but will rise, raise their game up this season and become a more household name. We'll have big breakout seasons just because of situations that they're in. And, and it may translate to fantasy in certain ways, but then I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know enough about the fantasy aspect of the game anymore and how important certain part, you know, pieces are of a player. I mean, like I know that like I saw an article, I think it was yesterday. I was just kind of flicking around on stuff and like looking at some, through some things. And one of the articles was like it, what, what round should you take your first quarterback? And like the person in the article was like, if you take a quarterback before the fifth round, you're crazy. And, when I played fantasy football, it was like it was a race to get the best quarterback for the first pick. Running backs had, at the time had just started becoming like the new hotness. And now I'm like reading like maybe like Travis Kelsey is going to be the number one pick in fantasy draft. So, again, like, see, I, I don't know what I'm I, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to fantasy. So when we do talk fantasy, I'll bring on an expert and I'll make sure that they break it down for you. I'll ask the right questions. I just want to make sure that we get somebody on here that has history and, and expertise in this and somebody who actually gets paid to do this for a living because, I, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't, and uh, I don't pretend to. So there you have it. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction. Live, in-person, public auction preview is this Friday, August the 20th. The preview goes on from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can do it live at uh, 3911 North Highway Drive right there in Tucson. It is uh, Registration is free. You can register online. It's free. Uh, go to SierraAuction.com to register. It's open to the public. You don't need a dealer license to uh, to participate. And then you can bid online on the uh, on the, the, the previews that you made the day before. You can bid online Saturday at 8 a.m. and get the deals that you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. If you have questions or want some more information, you can also go to ESPNTucson.com. We have info and links that you can go to there. Coming up next, day 10 of Wildcat Camp and a quarterback that was taking reps with the ones that was a bit of a surprise. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. As we're going to be doing all week here, I have a pair of tickets ready for you to give away to go see Gabriel Iglesias for the Beyond the Fluffy Comedy Tour. That is coming to, uh, to Tucson November 13th. We're going to have a pair of tickets to give away sometime in the next hour and a half. Stay tuned for your cue to call. When it is your cue to call, I will call out the uh, the, the caller number. We'll give out the, the phone number. We'll give out the caller number that is going to win the tickets, and then uh, we'll give away those tickets. We have had two very Happy, satisfied winners earlier this week, and we still got three more pairs of tickets to give away this week, so stay tuned. some point in the next 90 minutes, we'll give those away. Wildcat Camp Day 10. Saw some surprises. 
the number one surprise, the number one takeaway, of course, from the from the practice was at the quarterback position where transfer Jordan McLeod, who has only been here since mid-June when he was able to get on campus and start practicing with the team, obviously way behind, specifically the other two uh, competitors in this in this particular competition. He took all the reps with the with the ones yesterday in practice after it, it appeared to just about everybody that he was third on the depth chart after the weekend scrimmage. Now, obviously, this is a this is the a, a final chance for the coaches to analyze and see what a quarterback is going to look like taking 100% of the reps with the ones in practice before they have their Saturday night game experience scrimmage and then essentially go behind the curtain for the final two weeks of the season. So I, I obviously Jordan McLeod was given the first opportunity to run with the ones. They got their look at him yesterday, and I know it surprised a lot of people that were at practice and such, but this is a, this is a, a common occurrence, and we see this in, in situations where a new coaching staff is coming in uh, to evaluate players, and several of those players are brand new also. So not only are these these coaches brand new, but these players are brand new to this this team, you know, this area, this city. Uh, I, I know that you can look at somebody like like a like a Jordan McLeod, okay, or or a, a Gunner Cruz, for instance. Gunner has had three different offensive schemes in his three years in college football, right? Went from Mike Leach to Nick Rolovich's scheme, and now to Jed Fish's scheme. So he's trying to learn all these different things. Basically what Arizona has right now are three freshman quarterbacks in one way or another, whether it's experience or actual maturity level. The, 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 the Arizona Wildcats are, are essentially auditioning three freshman quarterbacks to lead this team onto the field September 4th against BYU. You have Jordan McLeod, who literally just showed up. Like, here, he's been here two months. So in his maturation process with this program, he's, he's essentially a freshman. Now, he has experience, of course. He has the most game-playing experience of any of the three quarterbacks uh, in the competition. But in, in terms of this program, this system, and Jed Fish's you know, uh, program and tutelage, he's a freshman. You have Gunnar Cruz, who, again, as I just mentioned, is going to his third scheme in three years. He's going to be learning something brand new and a scheme that's totally brand new to him. The, the Rolovich and Leach's schemes are closer in comparison than Jed Fish's schemes are to either of those two. So he's like a freshman, just kind of learning an entirely new system, getting into you know getting onto campus, still staying in the Pac-12, but entirely new situation for him. So kind of like a freshman. And you have Will Plummer, who's actually a freshman. So <laughs> you know you've got a redshirt freshman. I get it. You know, second year freshman, that kind of thing. But uh, did get three, you know, three starts as a you know, playing time in three games last year for the uh, for the Cats. So it's good. We knew it was going to be difficult, and that's why that's why I think it, it's important that we remember to stay patient through the process. And I know the coaches have uh, you know have preached that as well. Jed Fish has a little bit been a little bit more antsy, I think, than than the other coaches have, than his than his assistants have. And I understand he wants to get his QB one because. There are certain steps that a head coach takes when he gets his first job, right? You have to, first of all, you have to ingratiate yourself with the community. 
Okay, he's done that. He's done a wonderful job doing that. You have to put together your assistants. He's done a great job doing that. I thought I think he's brought in some of the more surprising assistants, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then obviously with Brennan Carroll being here, that was a nice coup for him as well. But I, you know, I thought he's done a great job of that. So he passed that test as well. The next test is naming your starting quarterback. I mean, that's, you know, you conduct practice and you have, fan, you have camp and you, you put together your workout program and all this other stuff. But essentially the next big step in being that first-time head coach is naming your starting quarterback and dealing with the backlash, the media response, the fan response, the teammates response, and all that kind of stuff. It's a big, it's a big moment for a first-time head coach. Understandably, Jet Fish wants to get that moment over with so that he can move on and start moving his team forward with the quarterback that he has chosen. However, a quarterback has not risen to the light, has not risen to the top, uh, and has not allowed him and his staff to make the decision collectively together of who the best choice is to be the starting quarterback on September 4th. Jordan McLeod has had some issues uh, this, you know, so far in camp, and he showed some more issues yesterday through a couple of picks. One of them um, was to a, a non-contact player, Jackson Turner, who plays safety. Safety's had a great day yesterday, by the way. Secondary had a great day. Um, altogether, I thought the, the the secondary covered well. Um, they played well in in practice yesterday. Jackson Turner, who plays safety, he was wearing a, a non-contact red jersey. It's difficult to judge anything that those you know those kinds of players do because they're a non-contact player. So you you taught to stay away from them. So no wonder he was open to get a pick. The second pick was made by Reddy Short, and we've seen Reddy make plays in games. He stepped in front of a receiver to pick off one of uh, one of McLeod's passes. So a couple of interceptions, but I also thought that Jimmy Doherty talked well about about Jordan's uh, you know practice and stuff. Did talk about the the picks, but thought he moved the ball well. And we all know that Jordan's a great athlete and uh, that he's going to bring that aspect to to the offense. It's going to be a difficult decision for these coaches, uh, but again, we need to have some we need to have some some patience with them. Now, as I mentioned, this is clearly a situation where Today and tomorrow, we're going to see a different quarterback running with the ones. They're going to take 100 percent of the snaps with the ones, and we'll get some, you know, we'll get some some feedback because then we'll have a good comparison, right? We'll be able to compare what Jordan McLeod did yesterday with what Will Plummer does today, with what Gunnar Cruz does tomorrow, whatever, uh, you know, whatever the schedule may be, and then we're going to see the, a combination of the like on Saturday night during the game experience scrimmage, and then. Of course, Arizona will go behind the curtain for the final two weeks of the preseason, and they'll name their their two deep. They'll name their starting quarterback or the the either or starting quarterback. Uh, I hope it's not that. I hope they don't just try to tantalize us with with you know with with the the either aspect of the of the the death chart. But if they do, it wouldn't be unlike any other program that's out there that's that's not solidified on their starting quarterback. So it would be understandable. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 every weekday here on ESPN. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing and deliciousness here in Arizona. When we come back, we'll stop over to the defensive side of the ball for day 10 of Wildcat Camp as the defense continues to be impressive, continues to stay ahead of the offense. Is it a concern? Is it something that we should be looking forward to? 
watching this defense this year. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, let's do it. Pair of tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias in the Beyond the Fluffy Comedy Tour. Call now, 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number two will win a pair of tickets to go see Fluffy this November. Coming to Casino del Sol, November 13th. It's a Saturday, uh, November 13th, but a whole night of comedy for you. So good luck. Call now, 719-1490. Caller number two going to win those tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias. So switching over to the defensive side of the ball, we've heard it before. You hear it all the time. In camp, defenses are going to be ahead of the offenses. That's a good thing because in college football, once the season starts, we know that the offenses are going to eventually start to win over the defenses. It just, it just happens. That's the way college football is. Offense dominates right now, college football. And if you have a great defense – it will certainly help you win more games. But even Alabama, as stingy and obstinate as Nick Saban has been, even in the last few years, has, has succumbed to the fact that you have to have an elite offense. You have to get away from playing the ground and pound, you know, running the football with two wide the entire time. Okay, He knows that you have to get away from that. And even as great as Alabama's defenses have been, there have been teams hung a lot of points on them over the years. Ole Miss put a 42-burger on them last year. Ole Miss. We've seen teams score a ton of points. What did, how many did LSU score on them in 2019? 50? Yeah. So <laughs> even as great you – know, there's 11, 11 NFL players, 11 guys that are going to start in the NFL playing defense for Alabama every single year. They still get 50 burgers put on them. Okay, <laughs> so having the defense ahead of the offense right now in camp, it's it, it, it's it's good. It's it's a good sign. If the defense was behind, then I'd be really really worried, like we've seen in the past uh, here at Arizona, where it's like the offense is just dominating the defense. I'm like, oh boy, it's gonna be a long year, leading the conference and points given up. But the defense has has played well. I give credit to you. You got to give credit in in three areas. Okay. I give credit in area number one. I'm going to give credit to the players. It, it's, it's the players that are between the lines, that wear the jerseys and the helmets, that are going to be out there making the plays. They're the ones that have to soak up the information, be in the right position, keep themselves healthy, and be in, in, the, in the right position to make a play and then eventually make that play, whether it be a TFL, a pass defense, a tackle, a scoop and score, whatever have you. So you've got to give credit to the players. You give credit to the coaching staff and the recruiting staff for bringing in the right guys, okay? guys that fit the system, guys that fit the program, guys that fit the, the model of player that Jed Fish and this program want, transfers and, and the like, okay? making those contacts, bringing the right guys in. That's credit portion number two. And then number three, as I've said before on this show, and I said it, I mean, I, I said it out loud at practice in front of a lot of people when we were having a discussion and, and I was talking with some members of the media, and they were just, just you know, standing there just chumming it up. I said 
that the moment that Don Brown stepped foot on this campus, he immediately became the best defensive coordinator this program has ever had. Period. End of story. you got to give credit where credit is due. Don Brown has earned that over his years of being in college football. He sent a bunch of guys to the NFL, and he puts together schemes that just wreak havoc with other teams. And granted, things have not been perfect. We've seen his defenses at Michigan and, and, and at other stops give up points. As I just mentioned, Nick Saban has 11 NFL starters on his defense every single year, guys who are going to start in the NFL, all 11 of them. Okay, somewhere, somehow, they're going to start with another, with some one of the 32 teams in the NFL. That's just what they do at Bama. His team gives up 40, 50 points in a, in, a, in a season to some offense. It's going to happen. But the ratings that his defense has had in his, during his time at Michigan were top-notch, always, always lauded as one of the best defenses in the country, certainly one of the best in the Big Ten. So you've got to give credit where credit is due. And right now, Don Brown is owning the offense. Don Brown, his players, his scheme – owning the offense because and and i'll tell you why uh, why i make that statement because it seems like after every after every practice some different unit has shown up as being the dominant unit so you know first few days of practice defensive line and the linebackers kind of dominated everything the linebackers eventually took that over once the offense started to press the issue trying to get to the middle of the field trying to you know break those zones up okay Linebackers started dominating. Now, yesterday, in the last couple of days, we've seen the secondary start to rise up, and they've begun to dominate. They've created turnovers. They've made big plays in the in the secondary, and and they've 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 also been able to make plays in the in the offensive backfield. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Is some of the guys that are playing in the in the back half have been able to get into the backfield and and wreak some havoc in there. The defense we knew was going to be ahead of the offense. I didn't know how far the the defense was going to be ahead of the offense, but they are clearly head and shoulders above the offense right now, as good as the offense is. Look, there's a lot of playmakers on this offensive offensive unit, both at wide receiver and at running back. And once we know who the quarterback is, we'll know who's distributing the ball. As good as all the playmakers are on this offense, the defense has really shined brightly so far in the first 10 days of camp. And I think we'll continue to see that until we get to BYU, and then, and then we'll see what happens. But yesterday in practice, I mentioned the two safeties, Jackson Turner and Reddy, uh, Reddy Short, getting the picks. They had the interceptions yesterday. Jaden Young also had a big day in practice. He, had, uh, he, defended a, he def- uh, deflected a pass uh, in the passing game, also had a TFL, got, it, got his nose dirty on, a, on a, a wide receiver screen. It was a bunch formation. Ball was slung out there. He fought through the, through the blockers and was able to make a tackle in the backfield for, for a loss. Like, those are big plays. Those are huge plays. You know, the, in this day and age in college football, you know, we see that wide receiver screen or the, the quick hitch, sometimes you call it, uh, depending on where, where the origination, if it was a slot receiver or if it was a bunch or, or trips or stack or whatever have you, okay, depending on where they, where they catch that ball, We've seen Arizona's offense get a play like that and really turn it upfield and, and create a ton of yards. I've seen p- plenty of people score on plays like that. So if you can get a guy, a safety to come up, fight through those initial blockers, knife through there, split the blockers, or beat the one blocker who's out there and make that big tackle, now you've just created 
you know, a, 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 a behind-the-chains situation for that offense, and no offense ever likes to be operating from behind the chains. Okay, triple sticks is what they call it, right, on the sidelines? So Jaden Young had a, nice, uh, had a nice play yesterday, a couple nice plays, actually. The secondary played well altogether. And I'll tell you this, it seems like every day that Viper position continues to wreak more havoc in the backfield. We've seen players like Rourke Freeberg, Christian Young, of course, who's had an amazing, amazing camp, uh, and even, you know, Treshawn Hayward. And I know he doesn't technically play the Viper position, but at his skill set, he can certainly play the Viper position. Uh, They all had some type of a disruption in the backfield, whether it was a TFL, whether it was a quarterback pressure, one of those Vipers knifing through, and causing, uh, you know, causing the quarterback to kind of hitch his throw, essentially. He's ready, to, he's ready to unload. All of a sudden, there's a linebacker in his face, a viper in his face, and he has to tuck and turn, and, and now he's off schedule. Now he has to create a play. These are all things that are going to create havoc in the offensive backfield. The viper position has been known to do that in Don Brown's time. We've seen it at Michigan and other stops, UConn, and we're going to see it here. That's just that's the nature of that position. Got to find the right guy to fill that position, and I think we have a couple guys that will and can. Another guy who has really shown up, and when you when you watch press conferences and you talk to players, you talk to coaches, and if you bring up a name, okay, and, and this name continues to come up, because not only does has he played well on practice fields, but he gets noticed by people, and I'll t- I'll tell you why before I even tell you who the player is. I used to sit in Mike D'Antoni's office after Phoenix Suns games. Coach and I had a, had a good relationship. And we would just sit there and talk a lot of times after the game, just sit in his office and, and just chit-chat for 20, 30 minutes. And then before we left, you know, once the players were all gone. And Mike used to just talk about how important having energy on a field is or having energy on the court, okay? And he would always say, the ball will find the energy. The ball finds energy. That's that's what happens. If you have energy, the ball's going to find you. You're going to make plays. And he loves certain players because of the energy that they exude, not only on the practice court, but also in the game. This guy here, anytime, anytime somebody brings up his name to a coach or a fellow teammate, their face lights up, they get a smile on their face, and they start talking about his energy. Transfer linebacker Rashi Hodge. Rashi started his his time playing football up here at Mountain Point High School in Phoenix, okay, Awatuki. Went on to Glendale Community College, didn't get the didn't get the offers that he really wanted, okay? Ended up playing GCC for a little bit. Then went over to New Mexico State and is now transferred to P5 football and he's making the most of his opportunity. He has drawn praise from all of his coaches, whether it be the defensive coaches or special teams because he's been playing a lot of special teams too, and that's important. And his teammates absolutely love him. He's lauded for his energy on the field in both situations, whether it be defense or special teams. Those are the kind of people, those are the kind of, even if they're not your best player, they're the gel guy, okay? He's the glue guy. Everybody loves to rally around somebody on the team. Now, offensive, I, you know, I, I, I called the team out for not having great leadership on offense, and they need to be more vocal because they need to have better communication on offense if they're going to move forward. Somebody needs to step up on offense. On defense, 
you know, I think I think Rashi has kind of become that guy, and maybe he's not the most vocal guy in the world, but he leads by example. He plays with great energy. He plays with great intensity, and he goes out there and he makes plays. He makes things happen because, like in basketball where the ball finds energy, in football, if you exert maximum energy, good things are going to happen. And Rashi Hodge has been that guy. And you just love – you love to see the reaction, and I, I always I always look for the reaction on a coach's face when you bring up a player's name. Just just throw a player's name out there, just boom. Whenever one of the members of the media says, how was Rashi today? The coach's face, whatever coach it is, a defensive coach, an assistant, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a linebacker's coach, a special teams coach, whoever, or the head coach, their faces light up. They're like, man, love the effort that guy gives. Shows great energy. We're happy to have him. Those are the kind of guys that make a difference. And Rashi Hodge right now is making that difference. So I wanted to, to, to shout him out because over, over the last two weeks, he's been someone that has really jumped off the, off the page as far as reactions from teammates and coaches have gone. And you've got to have guys like that on your team. You have to. So there's two more practices left, and then the final scrimmage, the, uh, the, the game experience scrimmage. I'll be there Saturday night. It's going to be a full fan experience. We have PA. The PA uh, mic is going to be open. We're going to be rocking Arizona Stadium. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Make sure you're there. It's free. Bring the family down. It starts at 730. There's a fan fest going on, so you can do the carnival before, come to the game after, and enjoy and watch Arizona's final, final time. You're going to get eyeballs on this team before they kick it off for real on September 4th in Las Vegas. So come on down. That's going to be uh, this Saturday night, of course, at uh, Arizona Stadium, 730. ESPN Tucson and Tucson Appliance are looking for the next big radio star, and it could be you. If you think you've got what it takes to do what we do here on the air every day, you can submit a video, 60 seconds or less on that video. Submit it to ESPNTucson.com and show us what you can do. Your video may even get played on the air during the afternoon show. Of course, Spears and Ali every weekday here from 3 to 6. And the grand prize winner is going to earn a weekly guest segment, a phone guest segment on the Spears and Ali show. Voting starts August 27th, so you've got uh, less than 10 days now to submit that 60-second or less video to ESPNTucson.com. A star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Congratulations to Judith Loya. Judith Loya was our winner of the Gabriel Iglesias tickets. Thank you for listening, Judith. Congratulations on your win and enjoy the comedy on November 13th at Casino uh, at the Casino uh, on November 13th. Should be a fun show. Um, real quick before we break for the uh, the top of the hour. Again, it's that really quick break, so don't go anywhere. It's we break, come back in two minutes. No joke. Watched Hard Knocks last night. I got home from work. I, yeah, I work really long days, Monday through Thursday. <laughs> got home from work last night, about 10 o'clock, and watched Hard Knocks. Fell asleep during the airing of Hard Knocks because it was terribly boring. But we did find out some things, and the Dallas Cowboys and Hard Knocks stealing my thunder a little bit as I was going to talk about a very specific player on the show today as somebody who I think is going to have a breakout season and somebody who could be a fantasy sleeper or somebody I just think is going to have a breakout year because their talent level is so incredibly good 
and when healthy, and I think that you know, if, if Dak Prescott you know gets gets healthy again, um, he's going to be a major option in that offense. Talking about C.D. Lamb and just how good he is, and they started the show talking about him, and and Jarrah was talking about C.D. and he's like so strong, he just goes in there and snatches the ball out of the air. Um, <laughs> so then we got to know a little bit about C.D. Lamb, who uh, has has a is is offended by bad smells apparently. So he likes to keep candles around. He's like, he's like, if it if it doesn't smell good, I I, I just got to leave. <laughs> so he likes things to smell good, and he really missed his dogs. Which, I mean, look, you listen to the show long enough, you're gonna know just how much I adore dogs, animals, pets, whatever have you. He has a Siberian husky. First of all, Siberian huskies are nightmares. They're 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 stubborn, and they they sing and they're loud and their hair is out of control they're lovable uh but man are they a pain sometimes and he has a golden doodle (laughs) what nfl superstar has a golden doodle and he's smiling he's like i miss him so much he's like i got a siberian husky and a a golden doodle at home and i miss them so much and he's like my brother's been there watching him i I miss him too I'll, i'll look forward to seeing him too i guess very endearing moment there. And, uh, yeah, look, not a whole lot going on. We learned a lot about him. We learned a lot about the British defensive line coach, who I didn't realize was from London. And a really nice story about Azul Kamama, uh, Kamara uh, from the Ivory Coast. Actually grew up here in Arizona, and his family got to see him play football for the first time at the Arizona Cardinal game in the preseason last week, which is a really cool story. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson. 